laughing big heads, dreaming about a premiership cup. We love our clubs, but they never win. Two flags in 100 years. That shit house, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Wednesday, June 23rd. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, I've had a blissful, almost football-free week. The Saints took a bye. How's it been? I took a bye. It's been great. Was it, was it nice? Was it a weight off your shoulders? Like, you've been carrying... There's been a lot of people who listen to this show who've been worried about you, Charlie. It's yeah. been a... It's it's almost been like an art house film. This series of two guys, one cup. Every season has its own story, and I feel like this the story of this season has been your disintegration in front of our eyes. It's it not, has been painful for listeners to listen to, and they worry for you. And I'm like, well, I'm there, man. I'm there staring at his eyes every week, where he's like, I'm not going to talk about the Saints this week, and then you talk about the Saints for 30 minutes because you can't stop talking about the Saints. How was it to have? That giant rock that you've been rolling up that hill, uh, taken taken by somebody else for a couple of weeks, so you could have some time off. Well, look, I, I I disagree with your first point. I don't think it's an art house film. It's a snuff film. It's a slow <laughs> hostel style torture yeah. scene. Some billionaire has paid to watch me taken apart piece by piece. I want to see my heart disassembled piece by piece. Uh, they've kept keeping me alive, enough fluids and food inside me so I stay alive so I can feel every excruciating uh, prick as this as this heart is pulled from my body. Um, but you know what? Like, I think that I, I've sort of been staying away from St Kilda News because I just, I feel like I don't even know, I don't even know what to think anymore. Like, there's been so much commentary around it and so much analysis and dissections of where we've gone wrong that I'm like, you know what? I... I feel like I need a holiday, and that's what this week felt like. It was just a chance to get away. I did admit I watched one game, and it was probably not a game you want to talk about. <laughs> I watched one game of football, and then I pretty much forgot. I actually do not know any of the results uh, from the weekend. Um, so not a lot's going to be different from normal episodes of Two Guys, One Cup, I'd say, <laughs> in terms of footy inside or commentary on the, on the round just gone. Um, I, I, well, I'm happy to talk about the game on Friday night because I watched okay, it. Okay, let's do it. And I was absolutely fine with the result. It was one of those okay. ones, I think, as a Bulldogs fan. I mean, I was... To see us go to Geelong, have to adjust our style of game to the size of that field, the way that Geelong play, for them to really draw us into playing the way they wanted to play rather than the way we wanted to play and for us still to be able to stick at it and grind at it and when the siren went be ahead at the end of that game there was a lot to like I think for a Bulldogs fan out of that game I think Geelong are the best team in the competition and the fact that we could go to Geelong and be ahead of them when the final siren blew was I think for Bulldog fans, a good result. The fact that Gary Rowan kicked that goal and Geelong ended up winning, I, I don't really think from a Bulldogs fan, you're disappointed in the result, but in regards to what it might mean for the season, you know, getting that group of players together, they now have to go to Western Australia, they're all locked down together for a period of time. It just feels like it's almost the right result at the right time that if, like, 
if you look at it the right way, could be how this season is determined from this moment. I Would think. you say a season-defining, Will? I, I believe it could have been a season-defining loss. <laughs> That's what I think <laughs> it was. I think it was a season-defining loss after the siren. It's almost the most pleased I've been in any game of the season because I just thought that nothing really went that right for the Bulldogs on the night, and yet we still managed to just not let them shake us. And it was like an arm wrestle for most of the game. I think you get upset over a one-point loss when you've been le- like St Kilda, you know, two weeks ago into Adelaide to bring up another fucking painful memory when you've been leading the whole game and then you lose in the, in the, at the death because you've let us slip. But if it's been an arm wrestle and the lead changed, I think the lead changed five times in one quarter at one point, the second quarter or the third quarter. I think quarter the lead changed 13 times in the game and it was equal on points eight times in yeah, the right. game. So. It was just one of those games that Roll if you played dice. another three minutes, one of the other teams would have been in front. You played another three minutes, one of the other teams would be in front. It was just going to be about who was ahead at the final siren, and it turns out that wasn't even quite enough. Because <laughs> being ahead at the final siren still wasn't going to win it for you. I do feel like I, I kind of have cursed you, or maybe I've created a monster. Because do you remember the, the 2016 grand final? Um, when Gary Rowan got the ball, you were like, oh, no. And I, was, and I just reassured you. I was like, don't worry about it. Gary Rowan, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> He's no good. I mean, I've told many stories on our other podcast about how I wrote off Chris Hensworth and Margot Robbie when I first met them. I was like, ah, oh, these kids will never, never add up to anything. So I am not a good predictor of talent, future talent. Well, Gary Rowan, like, is a classic example of, you know, sometimes we judge, like, a young forward, like, you know, at the Saints with King. He gets judged so much because he's the key forward. He is the number one man. Whereas if you're at a good team, Mm. you know, sometimes you get to be the second man or the third man. And that gives you an opportunity to play at a much higher level than when you're getting sent the best defender. And Gary Rowan is probably like Gary Rowan probably is going to offer to pay half of Jeremy Cameron's salary. Oh, my (laughs) God. Like if they just went to Gary and just went, look. We're going to give you an extra $200,000 a year, but you have to give 150000 of it to Jeremy Cameron. Gary would be like, this is a good deal. Yeah. Like, can you imagine being like a mid-sized or even a small forward with those two guys running around? Like, oh. it's pretty much you just – you'd be like a seagull, wouldn't you? You'd just be like yapping around at their feet, just waiting them for them to drop the ball to you, top the ball to you and get a little snack. A little- well, Tom Hawkins gets you a defensive gun. Yeah. Right from the opposition team, Jeremy Cameron has to get a guy who's tall but also super mobile, so it mm. takes that person out of the equation. And then Gary Rowan gets you doofus, <laughs> like essentially the third, <laughs> the third defender in any team is a doofus, is and then right? the doofus just walks over to Gary Rowan. I don't know. It's the third defender, the big. Who, all right, who's the third defender at the Bulldogs? Who's the number one defender at the Bulldogs? Um, Bailey Dale. Alex Keith. Alex Keith, right, and uh, then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bailey Dale is a small defender, but like a key position defenders. Uh, yeah, Alex, but who yeah, would you Keith. say in seniority? Like, so, so Alex Keith is the general of the back line. Would you say yeah. he's the one calling the plays and stuff? Then who's next? Um, uh, Cordy, maybe Cordy. Oh yeah, and then Easton Wood. No, Easton Wood would be. Well, Easton Wood's one. not playing at the I, moment. But if he, he was, he's been injured. A healthy if he was there, yes, Easton Wood. So and Al- Alex Keith Cordy is our doofus. <laughs> so Ace Cordy is the doofus. Welcome. <laughs> so I would say it's St Kilda. Dougal Howard is our backline general. Callum Wilkie is probably yeah. second in command. And then, yeah, right. It is the third one's the doofus. <laughs> it's normally Jaron Geary or Ben Long or Ben Patton. 
What you might have is you might have two key defenders and then like a floating defender who isn't really a defender. You know, they're that Half sort back. of like just, yeah. I mean, Intercept. like Tom Stewart, basically, like, I mean, it yeah. would have been a great game if the Elliot Bulldogs Yo. didn't decide to kick the ball to him 15 times during the fucking game. It was, it was, a, look, it was a weird game too, because I couldn't tell if they were piping, like, was that? like enhanced crowd noise or was it all artificial crowd noise or was that the sound of 8,000 people? Apparently it was the sound of 8,000 people. No, I don't buy that for a second. It sounded too uh, loud, 8,000. People who were at the game said that the crowd just sounded amazing. I think that they were just, I mean, they're Geelong fans and they're the most hardcore Geelong fans because they only invited, you know, a key selection of their members and I think they appreciate the opportunity to be there. And I, I think Geelong is one of those places where if you're a Geelong fan and you're going to that game, you almost feel like you're there on behalf of other Geelong fans. Like, I think that would be the Geelong attitude of like, I'm going to have to make enough noise for three other Geelong fans who can't be here tonight. Well, that's either a beautiful sentiment or someone with a real chip on their shoulder. <laughs> like inferiority complex. I don't well, know I think that it's that... a mixture of both, isn't it, Geelong? I feel like if you're going to sum up Geelong, it is a real mixture of this tightly bonded community and a slight chip on their shoulder. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I would have thought that's more of a Port Adelaide kind of thing, but maybe Port Adelaide is the, well, Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide is the Geelong yeah. of South Australia, the little brother. I mean, Fremantle doesn't quite have that status though. Do they? They're not. They, they don't have a chip on the shoulder because no one, no one ever expect. They're the they're the no hope or uncle. Who needs to sleep yeah. on the couch? <laughs> <laughs> and I know we have at least one listener who's a mad keen Fremantle supporter who always gets angry we don't talk enough about Fremantle. So there you go. There's your one bit of Fremantle information. Um, I didn't watch much footy, Will, but uh, someone sent me uh, this article which I thought was very two guys one cup. Our favourite club president, the Mad King of the North, Tony Cochran, did a long-ranging yes. interview with On the Couch. Yes. Um, uh, we'll get into the, the article, but I just thought I'd just play this one clip. This is a, a question that uh, Gerald Healy, uh, that's right, Gerald Healy, asked him on the yeah. couch. And uh, just listen to, to Tony's response. Uh, how are you feeling at this particular moment? Uh... If I was allowed to say shithouse on TV, I'd say I was feeling completely and utterly shithouse. <laughs> That's the first thing he said in the interview. The very first thing. So the headline in uh, for the Fox Sports uh, article is utterly shithouse. The sun's president in their horror year. Juice future. But and I, I just love the way he phrased it. Like, I mean... If I was allowed to say shit house on television. So already just leading with, I know I shouldn't be saying this. And then just doubling down. I would definitely say that we're completely and utterly shit house. Uh, so the article goes, you know, they're having a bad start to the season. Cochrane was spotted in the rooms, consoling the Suns after their woeful 50 point loss to Port Adelaide. Um, was he consoling them or was he going up to them and going, you're shit house and no. you a shit house. I just, and you, I just, you're a house full of shit. You know what that is? A shit house. <laughs> You're built like a brick shit house, but that's still a shit house. <laughs> he does in the in the footage, he goes up to Matt Rao first. He does go yeah. up to him and pats him on the shoulder and does whisper something to him. But I wonder if what please he Please don't leave. Please, <laughs> please, please don't leave. You're all we really have to hold on to. Please, whatever you do, do not leave. 
so after the shithouse quote, he says, I don't think many people want to, want to be president of the Gold Coast Suns, you know. It's not a popular job. And the reason why it's not a popular job is it's a pretty tough job. So there's, there's so many variables. That makes the Gold Coast Suns a particularly difficult work in progress. It certainly is a work in progress that I intend to see out. I intend to stick the course. We're here for the long haul. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, we've served up a few occasions a lot of rubbish. But you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And follows it up with another cliche, there's no magic bullet. Awful performances against Fremantle and Port Adelaide uh, uh, following the Suns' bye has sparked fears the team's about to head into a typical second, se- second half of the season collapse. Since 2017, the Suns have won just three of their 39 games from round 13 onwards, including 18 games in a row to end 2019. Last year, they finished 5-11 with a draw after the starting of the season 3-1 and 4-3. and I think it's reasonable to expect more of us, says Cochrane. The frustration at the moment is a huge house filled with shit. <laughs> Coach. A <laughs> frustration at the moment. A really huge guy who I see at training all the time. It's a huge inconsistency. There's been games this year which I really thought, yeah, this is what we're looking for. Now we're actually coming. This is the right path. The Sydney game, the Hawthorne game, the Collingwood game, down at the MCG. In my six years. None of them were shit house. They were brilliant. <laughs> Not, not a, not a shit, shit in a house to be seen. <laughs> so you had moments this year where I felt like it's starting to gel. And then um, uh, and then you see the underconfidence and the very ordinary performances we turned up with, not only last week, but the week before against Frio. And to be honest, we were insipid against Frio. We, that was really low. Underconfidence? Have you ever heard that described? He's got underconfidence. Well, if you've got overconfidence, yeah, they I normally suppose. say like lack of confidence. Lack but of I guess confidence. Underconfidence? Um, you know, there's enough pressure on and it's not easy to come out with all the right answers quickly, but we're trying. If you think there's anybody in the Gold Coast Suns who's enjoying being in the position we're at the moment, 16th on the ladder, you're on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so are some of the players. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, especially on a golf weekend. Okay, so what's keeping the Suns from achieving success? With the smallest bank account in the AFL, and no finals campaigns in their 11 seasons. It's been a sorry tale both on and off the field since the Gold Coast introduction. It has been. Like, it, don't you agree? It feels like a short but also a long 11 years. Like, it's just because they haven't made any impact. It's, like, it's almost like a, I don't know, amorphous kind of time period. I'm aware that the Suns exist, but I, it's like the Mandela effect. When did they start? I, couldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to tell you 2011 for any money. I, I look. I, I think that it's great that AFL is going well in Queensland, and that I think is the only thing that is keeping the Gold Coast Suns alive in the eyes of the AFL. The fact that the take up of junior football in like Queensland is through the roof. That Queensland has really embraced the AFL. I think it's the only if if those things weren't true, I think the Gold Coast Suns would be in a lot of trouble. So you're saying. The only reason the AFL are keeping the Gold Coast Suns around in the same way Rupert Murdoch keeps publishing The Australian. Just needs a fucking newsletter, just a bit of propaganda, (laughs) just something to spread the word. Well, is this the direction they should be going to, right? Right. Now, here's the thing we know about Queensland. Often conservative governments get in in Australia because they win the Queensland vote, right? 
Yeah. It is the place that gave us Pauline Hanson. It is the place that gave us One Nation. It's the place that gave us Joe Bielke-Peterson. So should the Gold Coast Suns go full Sky News? Should they become the right-wing provocateurs of the AFL? Because there is that undercurrent of sort of right-wing fanaticism around... The anti-PC Suns. I love it. Right. Right? So, like, their banner are just, like, offensive, racist, and sexist jokes when they, when they lift well, the banner up before a game? their president is saying shithouse on, yeah. on the couch. This is a club that is not about PC. They're not going to... You know what they aren't? Woke. They should have that in their song. Incorporate into their song how they're not woke mm. and they hate PC and stuff like that. And then start saying really provocative and controversial things constantly in the media. Really just get themselves... A rabid right wing fan base. Yeah, start to referring to all the other teams as like soy boys and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we've identified a couple of soy boys and cucks that we need to tag on the weekend. Well, it makes sense because, like, remember that other interview Tony Cochran did where he referred to it as Mel Boring. I mean, that is the equivalent of the inner yep. city latte sippers. Absolutely. You know? So he just needs to lean into that more. They're the kind of forex drinking, ruse shooting. You know, what's wrong uh, with Gold Coast meter maids? It's, you know, it's just a bit of fun. Everyone's getting too sensitive and touchy. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that that is absolutely the direction they go. They just start constantly making, like, you know, provocative right-wing points in any scenario they can. They just need a YouTuber. One of the players needs to become a YouTuber, Matt Rao. Matt Rowell just starts doing like a weekly YouTube show where he just like takes news clips about like, you know, a vegan protest or whatever and just rants into the camera about, <laughs> I mean, now I'm meant to get my bloody chorizo pasta chorizo with pasta. some bloody vegan is, you know, laying down in front of traffic and Cavalav. It's bullshit. Rowley calls bullshit. Rowell says that's foul. That's a Rowell foul. You're foul of Rowell. I think it could work. I yeah. think that there is a market there, you know, very like refuse to like take d- Tony Cochran should declare the Gold Coast Suns ground a sovereign, like a sovereign, sovereign land and that they're all sovereign citizens and that they don't even have to like there'll be instances during games where the umpire makes a call and the player pulls out a video camera and a sovereign citizen paper and explains to the umpire why they're not going to respect their decision about deliberate out-of-bounds because (laughs) the laws of the game don't apply to them. I love it. So essentially what you're proposing is a heel turn. It's a heel turn. They've been a failed baby face. They just need to embrace the fact that they're an outsider and just start fucking making waves. Yeah, and but I mean, you have that inbuilt audience of your Sky News demographic, of your... You know, I mean, a lot of the stations that broadcast football are these sort of, you know, either right wing or, you know, at least middle right wing like stations like 3RW and like 2GB. These are, you know, 2UE. These are, you know, stations that target that market already. It is inbuilt. I'm just saying turn up the heat. Yeah. I mean, like the Saints and the Swans have like uh, their gay pride match every year. Mm -hmm. The Suns have a straight pride match. Because what's wrong with being straight? He's going right. to come and say anything anymore. It's a criminal to be a straight white man these days. Right. Exactly. Go woke, go broke, their banner says. <laughs> Cochrane maintained the club's main goal is to win a first AFL premiership, delivering a small drive-by to St Kilda great Nick Revolt on Fox Footy. Perfect. 
There As you, you know, Rui, because you come from a year that's got you, because you've come from a year that's got you 130 years of history and you've won one premiership, they're not exactly easy things to take off the shelf, the Suns president said. We want to be in the competition to win premierships. It might sound like a stupid statement coming from someone in my position at the moment. Well, Tony, stupid yeah. statements have never stopped you before, buddy. But, but also, moment, again, for this right-wing de- demographic, that's all they want. You Tucker Carlson's, your Alec yeah, Joneses. This is very much, you know, you, you should start claiming the reason that they haven't been able to win games at home in the second half of the season is because of all the 5G towers and yeah. demand that they rip down the 5G towers near the ground. Yeah, I reckon the players should open carry on the way into a stadium. They get off the bus, they just open carry as they go onto the ground. Well, hey, what what is the Brisbane versus Gold Coast Suns game called? The Q, Q Clash? Yeah, and what does the Q stand for? Oh, my God. QAnon. <laughs> the QAnon Clash. Uh, Cochrane argued the Suns have become overburdened as an expansion club. The club's existence has driven major growth in junior and women's footy with the Suns' AFLW team, um, making the club's only finals appearance in a growing sector of the country. That's good because I reckon we keep the Suns' AFLW team separate from the new anti-PC male team because it gives them something to rail against. It would drive them crazy that their AFLW team had made finals. They'd complain about it. Yeah, they shouldn't even be Sheila's playing football, let yeah. alone being more successful than us. <laughs> From a population of 305,000 where the club was created, the Gold Coast population is now over 660,000 and set to reach over a million by 2032, according to Cochrane. We've started that market. We have started that market in dead set NRL heartland. We're winning that war, slowly but surely, but that's added to our workload, he said. What do you reckon he means by that? What's the workload? They have to do go out and do more school visits or something? I guess so, yeah. I mean, I guess part of like being in the community, representing the community. But that's something that every club like, does. Don't complain about your workload. Or at least blame it on the fact that you can't get migrants in to, take, to work for cheap. To... <laughs> or that's the problem. Maybe oh, yeah. that's the problem is the migrants are coming in and taking your school visits. <laughs> we wanted to go in and tr- show them how to do bloody AFL handball and they were talking about reconciliation and immigration and detention centres. It's bloody bullshit. Well, yeah, we wanted to take do an Auskies clinic, but, uh, you know, some bloody wogball team had got there first, kicking around a bloody pasta ball. I'd say build a wall, don't you reckon? <laughs> anyway, Tony out. <laughs> Uh, it's another dimension, a strain on our club we simply don't have. We've got the smallest finances in the AFL of the 18 clubs, yet we still have to take on all of that. We manage our own ground. Us and Geelong are the only two to have to do that. It's a hell of a task. <laughs> I'd love to imagine Tony Cochran out there on his ride on mower, just like he's <laughs> got his Akubra on, just riding around cutting the grass. It's me whole bloody weekend, mate. It's shit else. <laughs> Uh, the salary cap has dropped this year by three odd million. We still can't afford this year's salary cap, so we don't have a lot of levers to pull. The levers that are there, a lot of them have got soap all over them. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard anyone say that before. We don't have a lot of levers to pull, and the levers that are there, a lot of them have soap all over them. (laughs) Soap all over the levers? What are you boys doing with those levers? go around this club for soapy levers. Well, you know what? It's actually pretty good COVID safety. They're going around and cleaning the levers after everyone's been using them. 
<laughs> Cochrane also pointed out the Suns have a unique challenging facing have a unique challenge facing constant questions about their viability in ways previous new AFL teams or VFL clubs did not. This criticism, it's never happened back in its time. That, that's absolute bullshit. All I remember about Brisbane and Adelaide when they started was like people criticising them. Absolute relentless criticism. You know what it takes? 40 years for Hawthorne to make finals. But you didn't offer. Oh, so he's going back to like pre-World War II. I mean, sure, sure. No one was criticised. Look, they had big, they had the bloody they had the bloody Germans to worry about. No one was worried about if their team was making finals. Take it easy, man. The bomb in Darwin. All right, we've got bigger things to worry about than when this team's going to make finals. He didn't have this sort of weekly scrutiny of the media to ask Hawthorne every fourth or fifth month why it's taken so long. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess, but I don't think that even those VFL clubs were all propped up with millions of dollars and like brand new facilities and allowed to headhunt and get draft compromises. So, Tony, come on. I mean, the amount of players that they have lost from the club would make an all-star team. You know, there is... They can't get crowds to the game. They had the best player in the entire game playing at their club. They couldn't make it work. They had all the best, you know, young draft choices and they couldn't make it work. There is... It seems their record in second half of the season, as you read out, is just absolutely atrocious. And what do you think an, that is? Is that a, a there any relevancy in the competition? Is that a you thing? Like too many because they still have, but that I mean they must have the same balance as most other teams. That seems like something a young team would do, not be able to run out a season. But have well, they not- I just think when you're at a club where there's so little point. You can kind yeah. of convince yourself at the start of the season that there's half a point. And then by mid-season, you're like, what is the use of this? Why would I bother trying? This is, we are irrelevant. In 2019, and you'd go and buy a bulldozer and you would bulldoze your club into the ocean. In 2019, the AFL Commission approved an assistance package for the Suns, including priority draft picks for three years, expanded academy access to Darwin and increased list sizes. But that large academy has created its own problems, according to Cochrane. He's a fucking whiner. I tell you what, doesn't like this, doesn't like that. With the Suns struggling to find to fund it, both uh, both it and the club itself, asked whether the Gold Coast needed more help from the league, Cochrane backed financial support over more draft pick handouts. There's no point loading us up with more young kids. I mean, it's not going to solve this problem, guys. We need some senior people. And certainly, if we had some addition, uh, if we had... Uh, it, Hang on. And certainly if we had some addition, we have to fund one of the biggest academies in Australia. It's North Queensland and Darwin. It's not exactly around the corner, you know. It's not like jumping in the car and taking a couple of guys up to Ballarat to watch a training session. <laughs> so this is a very expensive academy to fund that we try and fund mainly out of our own money. Yeah, okay. Well, look, I think once you get this Sky News makeover, you'll start bringing in advertisers. Like people love back in a 2GB or a Sky News. Sponsors love it. I mean, even the name Gold Coast Suns, it just sounds Corporate. like if you heard there was like a, you know, Proud Boys style organization and they called themselves the Gold Coast Suns, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Sounds a little Aryan, doesn't it? Gold Coast Suns. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so this very expensive academy to fund that we try and fund mainly out of our own money, maybe if we're given a five-year funding of, of the academy zone, and that didn't have to come out of our consolidated funds. That would free up a bit of money so we could afford to do some sensible things around the football department. Retention has been a constant problem for the Suns. With the young star talents like Stephen May, 
Adam Saad, Jack Martin, Charlie Dixon, Tom Lynch, Theon Prestiat, and Jager O'Meara all spending time at the club, but then wanting out. Do you reckon if they'd retained all those players, they would be playing finals? Uh, maybe. They've pretty much got a spine there. Know. I know, Bay. but it, it, all of those players have become better players, basically, when they left the Suns. And I think mm. that it is because they went into organisations where it was better for... I mean, Jeremy Cameron is no... I mean, I know he didn't go, can't go from Gold Coast, but like he's a different player at um, Geelong. And you look at Tom Lynch at Richmond, like these guys are better players than they were when they were playing for the Suns or for the Giants. Like I could see the appeal if you're at one of those clubs that you think you could go to another club and have... A major impact. That's all I. That that's all I think. I think that story of going and playing in front of big Melbourne crowds and mm. like playing for a team where you're going to actually play better because it's not as much pressure on you. I don't know if they just kept all those players, they would have necessarily gelled together to be a finals team. In turn, that has created financial difficulties for the club because they've had to overpay lesser or younger players to keep them. Some AFL analysts fear another mass exodus of talent with young building blocks like Ben King, Isaac Rankin and Jack Lukosius all out of contract at the end of 2022. Do you think Tony Cochran subscribes to that theory, Will? Well, he's, so they're the, the big three. So we I already know. Firstly, by the way, I don't think you're building a team around Isaac Rankin. He is the icing on top. I think Ben King and Jack Lukosius, certainly, because key position players. Isaac Rankin is, an, is a handy player and a, and a mercurial player, but I don't think he is like a... I don't think any team should be going out of their way to pluck him out of the Gold Coast. I think he's a he's a, he's a top-up, like, kind of flash player. Yeah, but I but that's why I think he would be good for one of those teams. It's like somewhere between... Richmond. He'd you be know, amazing at Richmond. Second and sixth, where you're just like, you can slot him in and he would yeah. be the icing on your cake and he would be a superstar. Like they've managed to make him boring. Yeah. They've managed amazing, to make him as boring as a Jack Lacocious player pocket <laughs> profile. <laughs> uh, Tony Cochran does not subscribe to that theory, Will. I don't have a fear of the go-home factor this time around. When I arrived, you could smell it. It was hanging off the walls. Oh, God. It's disgusting. Maybe get some of the soap you've been wiping on those levers and clean your bloody Probably walls. They soap. stink. I think, they, I think the levers might have been covered in jizz. There was some weird <laughs> sex dungeon thing going on. He added, I won't name names. I mean, what? why not, Tony? Like, why all <laughs> What's that? What's stopping you? This is, again, this is further proof they needed to go. I, I, he should have said, I'm going to name names. These are the fuckheads <laughs> yeah. that have been through our club. One. Um, I won't name names, but we were very hopeful at the end of last season that we were going to pull, put a couple of very senior people to our pull a couple of very senior people to our club, who had our eye well and truly on. And for reasons best known to them, they changed their mind at the last moment and didn't join the party. Oh, let's speculate. Who would they? Who did they try to get up there last year? Who retired? Gary Ablett. Do you reckon they tried to get Gaz back? Gary back to the Gold Coast. I mean, he would I can't see it. Gary Ablett going for their new, you know, right wing direction. It doesn't no, really no, feel no. like a Gary Ablett thing to me. So, but this was last year. This was before they've like jumped on board with this idea. At the so end of last season, Gary Ablett, yes, yeah. 
I mean, there's a connection there. I reckon they would have reached out to him. And he probably has made some friendships there, I imagine. Uh, would they have gone for, like, any, you know, players who are thinking about retiring but maybe would play one more year on the Gold Coast, that sort of zone? Would they have been in a market for, like, an Isaac Smith or someone like that? Like a Harry, or a Harry Taylor? Harry Taylor. Not too late for Harry Taylor. Harry Taylor th- still thinks he could play at Geelong. He could definitely play at the Gold Coast. Fill up so your socks with ham. I mean, that's <laughs> that is the club oh, yeah. that you need to be playing for if you want to like fill up your socks with ham and go out on the footy field. Yeah, some kind of like anti-Muslim kind of statement by the anti-PC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sends him out to Bashahuli to play on Bashahuli with socks full of ham. <laughs> uh, is Stuart Dew under pressure since becoming well? You know what's under pressure? His belt. No, boo. Oh, come on, boo. Uh, since becoming the Suns' permanent third senior coach, uh, Stuart Dew has got to the team to 16 wins from 74 matches. That's a worse win percentage than Guy McKenna, who was 24 from 88, or Rodney Ede, who was 16 from 63. Stuart Dew is 11 games in a new contract and is tied to the club until the end of 2022. Uh, with this, Tom Morris reporting the Suns would, con- would consider opening their dialogue with his management at the end of the season if the club shows continued improvement between now and then. Well, that's not happening. But an honest Cochrane said his club can't keep defending their second half of the year fade-outs and admitted Jew was under intense pressure while broadening the net to include others on his staff and above him. Oh, fuck. Jesus. End of season review is going to be a bit of a bloodbath at the Suns, I reckon. You can't keep defending these fade-outs. We're now the four, in the fourth year under Stewart. And when he calls him by, oh, you know, when, they st- when he's not calling him Dewey or Stewie, Stuart, that's a bad song. Stuart. We're now, we're now in the fourth year under Stuart, and we expect to see a strong finish to the season, the Suns president said. Let's not gild the lily. The coach, the CEO, the president, we're all under pressure. We're all under the pump because we need to be. What we're serving up, it's not good enough. And that's a whole of the club problem. <laughs> that's a problem for every player in the club. It's a problem for everyone associated with the club. You just can't hang in on one person, but we're going to. Stewie Jew, you're out. Stuart? Stuart Jew. Yeah, Stuart, sorry. Oh, here we go. He's he's softened up a bit. He added, look, I'm sure Stewie is more than acutely aware that he's got all the pressure in the world on him at the moment. Well, that's what you need to hear from your boss. That's what you need to hear. Like you're a fireman about to rush into a burning building and your boss just stops you and says, look, I'm sure you're aware of what's at stake here. Because if you don't complete this. Yours and everybody in the building's life in your hands. (laughs) But what we've got to do with a coaching group, what we've got, but what we've got to do with coaching group member and former Adelaide coach, Neil Craig and others, we've got to get around him. We're going to try and get him through this period and see him out the other side with a degree of success at the back end of our season. That's our circumstances at the moment and we'll stay our circumstances till the end of the year, but we know how we're standing. This is a long-ranging interview. He talks about Tasmania next. Do you want to hear what he's got to say about that? Good, yeah. No, because this has been – he's been going out hard on Tasmania for the last yeah. couple of weeks, like painting a massive target on his he, – he's been – it's like he's seen this coming and he just thought, I'm going to get on the front foot. I'm just going to throw a couple of punches before this fight starts. The scenes at Essendon's win over Hawthorne and Launceston over there. Oh, okay, so the Bombers beat Hawthorne. That's good. Uh, so many people proclaiming Close Tasmania. Close game. Very good game. Oh, was it? 
many people proclaiming Tasmania was more than ready to host the 19th AFL club. The state's task force handed in a report early last year saying a team on the Apple Isle was financially viable, but following COVID, the COVID pandemic, Cochrane believes it's not viable. The money's not there. The depths of playing the playing group is not there. And at the end of the day, thank God that decision has go has to go to the 18 existing presidents, he told SEN uh, SA. So different interview now. Oh, fuck, he just was doing the media. He did a blitz. I'm here to tell you, I doubt there will be anybody who would move a motion. At best, there might be someone who moves a motion and seconds it. It will not get more than three votes out of 18. It will not get up. The Sun's president was asked to expand on his comments. Firstly, if you actually listen to my commentary, it's not aimed at Tasmania. My commentary is, and I'm living proof of it, I'll open up my books, I'll open up my books, Brownie. You can come and take a look. Oh, I love him. He's so fucking crazy. The AFL as an industry, the AFL as an industry cannot afford a 19th franchise. I don't care. Yeah, because of you guys. That's <laughs> like the heroin addicted kid going, mum and dad can't afford that holiday. Yeah, because of you, you stole their TV, man. I don't care whether the franchise is in Timbuktu, Tullambend or Tasmania. Mm-hmm. That is my point. Right at this point in time, we've got 12 of the 18 clubs that have significant loans, a significantly in overdraft or whatever financial cover you want to put it. So I don't believe we're in a great position to expand the competition. It's as simple as that. And as we know, Will, conservatives are all always economic rationalists. So this, again, fits in perfectly with how they need to pivot. Right. When are we going to pay this back? We've got a massive debt. It's, yeah, yeah, we've got to turn Too off Too many the handouts. We're going to start up AFL robo-debt. We're going to get You know what the AFL is? It isn't a socialist organization, is it? Is this socialism? Is this what we're involved in? Oh, right? yeah. I see what's going on here. <laughs> Chairman Gill. Yeah, the AFL, I mean, that's where you go because you start attacking head office because the AFL does get criticized as being, you know, politically correct or wanting to be like a, a leader in society which it should be it's a massive organization and it has a social responsibility both to its employees and the people who watch the game but the fact that one club just started like whinging constantly about the redistribution calling it socialism calling everybody cucks you know just rallying <laughs> against every round like protesting every single round like hating people taking a knee like the full gamut like oh there is a prime opportunity for this. Like, I'm not saying that this would be make AFL football better, but if there was just no. one club that we could funnel all the worst parts of the game that do exist at the moment, siphoned out between all the clubs, and we just give those fans one club, you can still be an old school sexist and racist and all those sort of things, but in return, you're not allowed to barrack for Collingwood anymore. You've got to barrack for the Gold Coast Suns. Just spitballing here. You know how that Guernsey is like a circular logo with a GC? Could we alter it, maybe in a way Guernsey, so it's a circular logo with PC and then a line through it? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. (laughs) An old school sash through a circle around PC. (laughs) In (laughs) Sir Doug Nichols' round. I know, it's too much, but this is what they're doing. The uh, Saints Great and Tasmanian Task Force member Nick Revolt asked whether Cochran was fully across last year's report. <laughs> uh, Cochran responded, yeah, I, I read the initial report by a bloke, uh, Brett Godfrey, I might add, who chaired it 
and was and who three weeks after handing in the report went and joined the board of the Australian Rugby Union. So I'm not sure if that's the dedication we want in AFL circles. He fucking did not read that report at all. <laughs> That was classic deflection. He went on the attack deflection. yet again. He did not answer the question, and he just started going, "You know who is a, who is it? a bit shit house. The guy yeah. guy who wrote the report. Yeah. I'm just asking for questions now. I'm just asking questions. Well, I'm not saying he is. Just I'm just asking. Is it strange that he went and joined Rugby <laughs> Australia? I'm just asking questions. Just asking yeah. questions. Do <laughs> do your own research. But he did. <laughs> And then I took the time, and then I took the time, my time, freely to spend. And I think it was, what the fuck is he talking about? Have I missed something here? He just, it feels like he's just started completely through. I'm not sure if that's the dedication we want in AFL circles. And then I took the time, my time, freely to spend. I think it was nearly an hour and an hour and a half in a Zoom meeting with Colin Carter to go through all my comments and all my thoughts about that report with Colin. So I have scored myself here. I do come with a fairly large business brain when it comes to sport, and that's been my way since I've tried to make a quid for the last 45 years. And I what do not believe... His... He has lost control of this <laughs> sentence. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not making sense, right? He's all over the place. It is widely, wildly <laughs> veering from one topic to the next in desperate search of a point of some kind. It's, it's, it's terrible. I, and I just do not believe that anybody can convince me personally. It's, I'm just saying, well, I'm not saying, look, I'm just personally, it's just an opinion. And I happen to, oh, fucking hell. It's so hard to read because I feel like, I feel like I'm missing punctuation, but they're just literally transcribed exactly what he said. And this is how he speaks. And I just do not believe that anybody can convince me personally. And I happen to know many other presidents as well that in the current climate, and what I mean by that is probably the next three to five years. That we could consider expanding the 18-team competition. What? It's fucking exhausting to read. What? Revolt responded, I'm just not sure you've scored yourself on the integrity of a man like Bed God- Bed- Brett Godfrey, who I've dealt with personally. I think it was a little unfair to cast that aspersion. I wasn't saying anything, mate. I was just bloody asking questions. Cochran replied, Well, look, that's fair enough. And that's your call. I'm equally allowed to make a call because there's plenty of, people in, uh, plenty of people in Tasmania at the moment making all sorts of calls about me, and I'd suggest that 99.9997% have never met me. Persecution <laughs> complex. Perfect. Another great conservative trait. Everyone's out to get me. Everyone's out to get me, and use of could not possibly be proved statistics. <laughs> Cochran also said he would be in Hobart this weekend to attend a pre-match function before the Gold Coast game against North Melbourne if permitted to join the club's chartered flights. Uh, that's fucking... I mean, that is awesome. rolled gold. That's uh, It's been very light on on where Matt's at this year, but that if Tony Cochran wants to pop up every six months and, and do an interview, that's, that's more than enough content for us, I reckon. All hail the Mad Kings. Speaking of Mad Kings, yeah. can I uh, just briefly mention, we've got. I think we've got to get to... Uh, what I'm calling Robbo and his ribs. Uh, Mark Robbo Robinson, who's taken a, a spill, he's done. He's uh, hurt his ribs, has had a week off um, AFL 360. I see. Jason Dunson's uh, been filling in. Because he's been at home loaded up on codeine. Last oh, night, no. re-emerged onto the show, uh, got off the codeine during the day, announced to, to Jared that he'd uh, not had any codeine so he could do the show. And then during an interview with uh, Jack Rewalt, 
uh, asked Jack Rewalt um, how he was dealing with being on the road and being away from his family when he was doing a Zoom interview with Jack Rewalt sitting on his couch in his home with his family. <laughs> <laughs> so codeine might not have washed fully out of the system is what I'm suggesting. Uh, well, we have a, a vintage pocket profile pocket this oh. week. This is from listener Michael. Vintage. Who I assume uh, is in Western Australia because it's a little uh, pocket profile over a very famous eagle, one of an eagle favourite son, uh, a player you might know as Brett Hetty. Oh, Brett Hetty. Now, the name is very familiar. Like, am I – did he have like a goofy looking face? Did he have yeah, like he a like jug head Charles. or something? No, he had no chin and a big nose. He looked like Prince Charles. Okay, all right. Yeah, but he was yeah, a very like, skillful. Yes, he, you know, you know who he looked a bit, looked and played a bit like Ken Hinckley. Yes. Okay. I yes, think he I was remember. a half. Hang on, let me just bring him up. I think he's a half forward flank for the Eagles. All right, Brett Hetty. Here we go. I'll see. I'm just going to try and skim this. Okay, Brett Hetty played with the West Coast Eagles from 1999. He was named in their team of the decade as a half forward. There you go. Okay. Half forward flanker. Um, so this interview was done in 1991. So oh, this, I'll help, I'll give you some clues great. to help you frame. I'll help you, I'll give you some clues to help you frame. Because yes. there'll be questions about how many games he's played. So he finished his career with, on 156 games and 237 goals. He played from 1990 to 1999. So that tells you where he started. Okay. Um, and he was born in 1970. So when this interview was conducted, he was 20 years of age. Okay. Um, I won't give you any more information because I think that feeds into the questions because we'll learn more about Brett Hetty. Now, I think you must definitely know this because this is one of the most famous nicknames in all of football history. What was Brett Hetty's nickname? I don't know, but based on what you've said, I'm going to suggest that it is Job. Is it Job? It is Jobby. <laughs> <laughs> That might have been the best clue you've ever given. And it wasn't that detailed a clue. It was just enough information that I knew exactly where I had to go. It is amazing that you could call a player Jobby and no one at the club would come down and say, hey, guys, like guys. we have a lot of kids coming to the games and stuff and parents are complaining that the kids are asking them why they're calling the new guy Jobby. Can you just come up with a new nickname? Because he's No, because his name's Head. You've got to call him Jobby. Come on, guys. But it all it flies in the face of our rule that there's got to be six steps to get to the name. It's literally the second word. Head job. <laughs> okay. What number did he wear on his back? And it's between one and ten. Uh, I don't know. Four? Lower. Uh, two. Lower. One. Lower. It was zero. The first player. <laughs> uh, no, he was definitely number one. I mean, he had the number one nickname, I'll tell you that much. How tall do you reckon Brett Hetty was? He was a half forward. I'll give you a clue. It was between 180 and 180 and 186 centimetres. Uh, 183 centimetres. Hey, 183 centimetres. Good height for half forward. Six, six one, I believe, or six two in the okay. old language. What do you think he weighed? Now you know how tall he is. You can probably guess his weight. Oh. Rangy. He was rangy. 
I am a little taller than him and I think probably he would weigh about the same because he'd be muscly, which would make up for the extra weight. So he probably was about 84, 83, 84. Pretty good, 82, 82 kilos. Mm -hmm. um, we should play, like, you know how they, you got to guess how much, like, you know, how many marbles in the jar. We should play a game, like, look at a play and guess how much he weighs. <laughs> that should be. If we ever do, a, like, a live show, we just bring, like, we'll bring out a player, an ex-player. We won't get him to say anything. We'll just, just guess how much guess they weigh. Way. <laughs> okay. Who did he play in his first senior game, which was round four of 1990? What team? Victorian uh, club. Okay. I, well, that, that doesn't narrow it down enough. Give me a, give me a creative um, clue. A big, one of the big four. Uh, Carlton. Carlton is correct. Oh. How many games have he played uh, to, when is it, the, the 13th of December in, in 1990? Um, one. And he played against Carlton in what round, did you say? Uh, 1990. Four, round four. So this mm. is a year later. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's not the same year. It's the next year. No, it's the next so year. So he's probably played, I don't know, half a season and half a season. So what's that, 20 games? Oh, you're good at this. I mean, you're not getting them right, but you're getting close. Okay. I think that's – you're like the Bulldogs last Friday night. Right. Like, <laughs> just need to – yeah, just need to straighten up a little bit. You're sticking with me. Zone, but just not you're in quite the zone. Yeah. yeah, you just got to stick to it. Stick to your processes. Okay. It's true, actually. Um, I got job, not jobby. Like, the yeah. numbers have just been slightly off. I, yeah, you got the um, weight. Yeah. I just almost know him, but I don't really know him at all. Okay, uh, what were his biggest football honours to that point? So he's only played a year of football. So they're going to be they're going to they're going to be junior and representative honours. He's a Western Australian. Um, so oh, okay. So um, did he? Oh, did he play I, for a West Australian team? Um, yes. Before he so played he, for the Eagles. Okay, he won an award playing for Subiaco. Oh yeah. What was the award? Um. Best first year player. And he's ding, 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 ding. He's finally got his eye in, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly what it is. Well done. Because you didn't go for the obvious best and fairest. You're like, hmm, that seems too obvious. It's going to be an award. What's another award they give at clubs? Yes, he won best first year player at Subiaco in 88. And then he has one other memory, which was playing in a junior competition from the 80s. I don't think it exists anymore. It's all TAC. Was it a national competition? I believe it was. Back in the eighties, it was the, the, the number what, one, the, the teal cup, teal cup, correct. Um, what's his occupation? Oh, um, a football bit of a trick, bit, bit of a trick question. Is he a, a professional footballer? A more accurate uh, uh, response. Uh, more accurate. The question should have been, "What do you do with your time? What do you do during the day? What do you do away from football?" Rather than what's your occupation, if that's my hint. Oh, um, oh, oh. So this is uh, this. Okay, I understand what you're saying now. Yeah. This is like a job or something that he does when he's not at the football club. Um, yes. Study? Did he study? Yes, he's, yes, he's a student. Yeah, you're good. You got it. it I say, think you're in the head. Does it? You're in the head of study. No. Yeah. Uh, he attended Our Lady of Grace Sacred Heart College. Um, what kind of car does young Brett Hetty drive? Um, real boring, real boring car. 
And you normally would say Australian classic if it's a Commodore. Oh, so this you is didn't good. say that. I'm just going on your previous clue. Got certain tells. <laughs> um, it's boring, and this is the. No- it would have been like late Probably, 80s, early 90s. Yeah, but I th- I'd say this car has been one of the most popular cars in Australia for a long time. But it is definitely. But it isn't. You've Ford or you're holding. It's a very uh, milk toast selection, very safe option. Oh, shit. Um, a Corolla? A Corolla is correct. Fuck, man. Okay. You're getting it. All right. You know Brett Hetty. You are like being Brett Hettyvich. <laughs> You're inside <laughs> his head. Um, okay. What is his favorite pastime and hobby? Not unusual for a Western Australian, I'd say. Surfing? Mm. Close. Bit more chill than that. In fact, a lot more. In, in fact, entirely chill. I <laughs> that was the worst clue because he likes relaxing at the beach. Oh, okay. <laughs> My clue was actually the answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's his favorite food? He gives two answers. One's an Italian dish. One is more of a traditional Sunday dish, a Sunday afternoon dish. So Italian dish would be, so some sort of pasta. I'm imagining he's mm-hmm. an AFL footballer. Is yeah. it a pasta dish? It has pasta in it. I don't think it's a pasta dish, definitely. But it's it's there's more things that go into it. Um, oh. I, there is a clue I could give that would uh, certain. It, uh, okay, it was very famous in a comic strip for a reason. Ah, uh, lasagna. Okay, too much information. Yeah, that, damn that it! Was, was, I was trying yeah, to. How was... can I tell you it was Garfield without saying it's Garfield? <laughs> Fat um, cat. I should have just said that. I would not have okay. got that without the clue, though. I was, I okay. was in my head. You know, when your head's like suddenly just going, "What spaghetti doesn't have the most?" Like, you know, what I mean, like it's just going to these weird places where I'm inventing different foods in my head to try to answer that question. And of course, it's lasagna. And then, what was the other clue? A Sunday afternoon meal. Oh, ro- a roast yeah, or some sort of roast, a Sunday roast. Yeah, what kind of roast? What kind of meat particularly? Oh, um, uh, <sighs> Brent Hetty. Brent Hetty, roast are you meat. a roast beef man? Are you a roast pork man? A you driving, more... a, driving a Corolla. Yeah. Oh, yeah well, that's, like... actually, that's actually a pretty good clue, driving a Corolla. Because what, what's a kind of like fairly... Mm. Safe, chicken. bland roast chicken. chicken. Roast chicken. What's oh, now? You're never going to get this. Uh, what's his favorite drink? I'm, I can tell you it's a milkshake. Alcoholic? Oh, no, it's <laughs> no, a milkshake. It's a milk, okay, it's a milkshake. Right, right. I think we're getting a good idea about old Brett Hetty here. Drives a Corolla, likes a milkshake, uh, roast chicken kind of guy. He's a bit, he's the Matt Rowell of 1991, <laughs> an adorably uh, anachronistic footballer, old man in a young man's body. Okay. Um, it's a flavor of milkshake that is yeah. not that exists. It's definitely a big M flavor. It's one of those classic big M flavors, but it's oh. kind of gross when you think about it. <laughs> it's gross if you think about so it. So it's like, not an obvious milkshake flavor. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, that is a flavor of, you know, it's a flavor of ice cream. It's a flavor of milk. It's a definitely a dairy flavor, but it's kind of at the almost gross end. It's a flavor of milk. Um, I mean, milk should never be this color. Oh, so green. So, like, yeah. but not li- lime, li- uh, mint, mint, some mm-hmm. sort of mint. Spearmint. He loves a spearmint milkshake. 
That sounds fucking off. <laughs> spearmint ice cream's nice. I don't know if I've ever had a spearmint milkshake, but based on the what fact that it? like spearmint like ice cream is nice, then maybe it would be nice. I mean, this is a topic for our other podcast, Tofop, which you can find at tofop.com. Um, but what's the difference between spearmint and like peppermint and mint? Like, are they they're different varieties of mints? <laughs> but it, but what's the difference between? I mean, but do you detect the difference between a f- taste of mint? Doesn't yeah. mint just taste like mint? No, there are different varieties of mint. That's like can you tell the, the difference between the peppermint same. or spearmint? There's different types of lettuce as well. They taste different. Like, no, they're that's varieties. That. You know who can tell you all about this? Matt Rao. That's a man. <laughs> he knows his way around playing. He grows his own mint. <laughs> okay, what's his uh, favorite sport or other sports? He lists two sports. Um, uh-huh. One is a solo sport and one is a can be a solo sport. Uh, so the first one, is it a traditional sort of sportsman, do sports people like yep. this game? Golf, yep. I'm yep. guessing that? Yep. And then what was the second clue? It can be solo. No, team uh, sport. Yeah, it can be. Probably not like rowing. Or... Well, actually, maybe team, uh, maybe saying team is misleading, but you can play it on your own or you can play it with a partner. Ah, uh, tennis. What is, his, oh, now this is a good one. You should know this, and this is not so much knowing Brett Hetty. This is reaching back into your mind about people we have discussed in our many, many podcasts, which you can all find at tofop.com, including Willosophy. Who's on Willosophy this week, Will? Uh, Alex Lee, the host of Win the Week on the ABC. She was a fantastically entertaining chat. Hayden Dando, there's a Damien Power episode there. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. And I've actually been doing a heap of recording in the last few days, so um, I've got a couple of Ripper episodes up my sleeve as well coming soon. And Justin Hamilton is featured on Fofop, and we've got a brand new episode of Tofop that's probably going to come out around about the same time as this episode of Two Guys, One Cup. But this is someone that we have discussed at great length on Tofop many times. Um, It's his favourite singer. And think, it's 1991. Who's bloody topping the charts in Oh, is it someone who, it's not, so would it somebody who'd be considered to be quite mainstream in their appeal? Well, I think that you should remember (laughs) <laughs> who I'm talking about. I, I could feel it coming in the air tonight. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Phil Collins, I believe. Yeah, we do an entire, we did an entire episode of, uh, we've done multiple episodes on Phil Collins, but we do one where we analyse the urban myth behind um, him watching someone drown and forming the lyrics to in the air tonight, which you can find at tofop.com. Turns out to be Brett Hetty's favourite singer. You know what? Phil Collins was my favourite singer when I was like 10. Okay, what's his favorite TV show? Again, right in the pocket, 1991, an American sitcom. Um, okay, so it wasn't Family Ties. I was going to say Family Ties, wanted, so good clue. It, it, wanted, it wanted to be. Uh, growing Pains. Growing Pains. Favorite movie? <laughs> Probably came out, I'd say, two or three years earlier. Um, starring Tom Cruise. Um, uh, (laughs) Top Gun I suppose Top Gun it was going to be Top Gun or Cocktail wasn't it no one's going to say Days of Thunder you know what like Cocktail could have been a Brett Hetty choice just based on although the fact that his favourite drink is a spearmint milkshake means that he's probably not mixing up too many cocktails it's too rude I think he's a fairly like nice boy Brett Hetty Um, who was the biggest influence on his career Uh, I'd uh, I'm f- family, uh, father, dad, grandfather, dad, Stop. dad. Yeah, dad, 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 father. Um, Brian Hetty. 
What do you think his mates called him? <laughs> Jobby Senior. <laughs> uh, what is your favourite holiday spot? Uh, in Australia. Not Australia. Oh, is it? No, international. And remember, he likes relaxing on a beach. Well, it's going to be either, as a Western Australian, then it's probably, it's going to be either Bali or Hawaii. So. How well do you know Brett more... Hedy? Sorry? How well do you know Brett Hedy? Because you okay. are correct. It is Bali or Hawaii. Uh, I'm going to say, based on he's a nice boy, that's like what we kind of think of him, that Bali is almost a bit too much for Brett Hedy and Brett Hedy is going to Hawaii. You're 100% correct. You know Brett Hetty better than you know knows it's himself. It's a nicer place to lay on a beach, I think, as well. Hawaii. Yeah. If, you, if that is your main thing that you want to do is lay on the beach, then I think Hawaii is a better place to lay on a beach than Bali. You can't see Brett Hetty with cornrows, can you? Or like a Red Bull <laughs> singlet. <laughs> no. Uh, he's most admired footballer. Uh, one was a Western Australian guy who I believe went and played for Carlton. Was a maybe a wingman or something. Um, first name, Ken. Oh, Ken played for. I think Carlton. it was Carlton. So did he play for the Eagles and for Carlton, or he was from Western Australia and played for Carlton? I just think he's from Western Australia. And what era are we talking? Like eighties. I'm like, I'm totally making this up. <laughs> I'm just going to quickly Google. Ken, oh, Ken Hunter is it Ken, Ken Hunter? Hunter? Yeah, he yeah. played for Carlton, didn't he? He played for Carlton. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and Steve Malaxos was his other most admired player, oh, which is a right. great surname. Okay, Steve yeah. Malaxos. I remember Steve doesn't Malaxos. It? Hey, Relaxos with Malaxos. Do you think that's what he said <laughs> when they went to a party after a game? Hey, Relaxos. It's Malaxos. <laughs> and get ready, it's Teddy. <laughs> They're a double act. Burst into it. Oh, fuck. Look who's here. It's Steve Malaxos and Brett Eddy. They always do that thing about Relaxos and Reddy. Okay. <laughs> what was his match day routine? Well, you know what? Pretty bloody good. Well, one of them is something he likes to do a lot of. He's mentioned it. Um, relax. He's mentioned it. It just likes relaxing. to relax. <laughs> Goes down to the beach as a relax. Hey. I get my good friend Steve Malaxos and I do a little Relaxos. <laughs> Uh, and then something else that he does is very much of this time. Um, how would we explain this to younger listeners? There was a time. Okay. So, all right. He will. He liked to watch MTV, Will. And why did he like to watch MTV? Because he liked... Uh, music videos? Music videos. <laughs> <laughs> that felt like a trick question, but... I was like, is it music? Is the answer music videos from music well, television? I, I think some of our listeners might not realize that, you know, MTV, because uh, they, they don't play music videos anymore. They just do reality shows. Okay. Well, well now, his biggest disappointment, there's no way you're going to get this because it's a bit of a non sequitur. His biggest disappointment was not winning the 1990 AFL Premiership. But I could have sworn 1990 Premiership was Collingwood and Essendon. So... Is he just mean like that we didn't? Maybe the Eagles were knocked out in a prelim. That, right. I, that was my disappointment was we didn't. It's a weird thing to say, right? It is. I never would have got that. Like if Nick Revolt said, "What's your biggest disappointment?" and he said the 2016 Grand Final, <laughs> you'd feel like, but you had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I know, but I just was really just I had really a thousand with swans. <laughs> I had fucking like, I had a Quinella, but he was going to kick five. Swans to win. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Which grand final do you hate the most? Yeah, 2016. Hang on, but you 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 were retired by then, yeah, but mate. I literally put fifty thousand dollars on slots. <laughs> I have a severe <laughs> gambling problem. <laughs> Okay. Uh, um, what he's had one football injury. What part of his body was it? Um, above the waist or below the waist? Above the waist. It, I mean, maybe this is like again Mandela effect, false memory. But when I'm trying to picture Brett Hedy in my mind, I'm seeing him with shoulder tape. So I'm going to say yeah, shoulder. No problem. You're going to fucking be 100% correct. That's amazing. You're but really I don't good know if this. that's a real memory or my brain just implanted that in my mind just then. Do you think when Brett Hetty, like, with someone, like, was spoiling and, like, hit him on the head that the umpire would call Hetty high contact? But <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want was Hetty low contact, if you know what I'm saying. Jobby, that's my nickname. <laughs> um, what's his biggest thrill? Uh, he has two thrills. Um, One is a relaxing, a, uh, like just relaxing, <laughs> man. Just when I can just get a good relaxing. When the laxos turns up, and I know I can relax us. Uh, no, one was um, to do with his days with Subiaco, and the other one is to do with it as being an eagle. Um, okay, first AFL game. Correct. No, wrong. Oh. <clears throat> first AFL final. Okay. And I don't know, did Subiaco, like, I, I mean... Bad, trust yourself, are, mate, back yourself. I mean, he, so he won best rookie at Subiaco. So I'm assuming it's yeah. like, did Subiaco win the grand final that year? They won one in 1988, yes. They won yeah. a flag in 1988. Okay. That was his memory. What is your most memorable match? No, his first game? Time, so first game. And what is your football ambition? And let me just say, my clue is pretty much, he pretty much achieved it. <laughs> oh, so to win a premiership? Yeah. <laughs> and be a consistently good footballer. Well, wins two flags and plays 150 games over 10 years, I think. Pretty yeah. much nailed it, Brett. Yeah, well done, Brett Eddy. <laughs> Brett Eddy, <laughs> we salute you. Um, all right, uh, this has gone long, so we're just going to fly through these questions. Yes. This is uh, our mailbag. If you want to send us a message, you can. We're on Twitter at AFL. Uh, at, no, don't send your message to AFL.com because that will go nowhere. You might get red flagged. Send your question to Two Guys One Cup AFL at Two Guys One Cup AFL on Twitter, and we're also on Instagram at Two Guys One Cup AFL. In fact, every Thursday on Instagram, we do a live tipping. Um, uh, it's been, it's been. Uh, I've not been keeping track of who's winning, but I assume we're both losing is that possible i think well i had a zero weekend a couple of weekends ago i got five i think this weekend okay so andrew says uh clearly the richmondy label for st kilda must be the st Kildroys. yeah the st <laughs> Kildroys is very good uh kiwi says a joel a selwood a villain or genius neither he's a complex individual as most uh successful athletes are He's a super player and he won that game for them, in my opinion. But he also did a couple of things that don't reflect as well on him. I, he, he could do without that stuff. But you do see it as yeah. those, that, that style of player gets to the end of their career. They start to work with what they have and yeah. you do just see them do a few more things like that. He just doesn't need to do that. He's still a really super, super footballer and he proved or, that again on Friday night. If you're Toby Green... You start with that. <laughs> you oh, just start with it. You just set we, it as I know the template we, for your whole career. We didn't really talk about any of the games, but he is 
top five players you'd pay money to go and watch at the moment, Toby Green. Like, he he just does everything. Like, you go to watch him in a game and he's going to, like, take spectacular marks. He, like, kicked a torp from 60 metres. He, like, punches a guy in the guts. It's just like, you're just like, yeah, it's great. You go out to see Toby and you go, like, what do you do today? And you're just like, everything. He did all of it. <laughs> he did all the good stuff, all the bad stuff. It was awesome. Uh, is Chris Scott the most passionate coach? And therefore, who is the most dispassionate? He's the most dispassionate coach in the AFL. Did you see the Chris? The- did you see the Chris Scott celebration when the Gary no. Rowan goal went? Oh through yeah, I did I did in the yeah, box? Yeah. Like he really enjoyed that moment. Like, and I think he enjoyed the fact that he had a mask on and could say a whole bunch of things that he normally <laughs> couldn't say if he didn't have a mask on. <laughs> well, who's the most dispassionate coach? I think maybe um, Adam Simpson is pretty cool-headed. He does even in that documentary. He didn't. He doesn't seem to kind of like lose his top too much. Only once to I think he yells. Ben Rutten, I don't know, feels like a bit at, like that at the moment. I think oh, no, oh, Simon, David Teague. Simon Goodwin. I reckon Simon Goodwin. It's got like a like he's he has the same demeanor all the time. Is what I would say about him. Like maybe that's not dispassionate, but. He, he he doesn't you, you you can't really imagine him having one of those Chris Scott likes. He just seems to be like, I'm gonna have a consistent approach whether we're going well, whether we're going badly, this is my approach. Didn't David Noble do an interview halfway through the year or something where he's like, Oh yeah, we're probably not gonna win too many games or something? Like I mean <laughs> there's a difference between dispassionate and disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> or realist. Uh what's your favorite goal after the siren moment? Ooh. Um, I think the, I think the Tom Hawkins one against Hawthorne, like when during the the Kennet Curse years, where he bombed it from fifty, just because that was such a awesome game, high school game, and the stakes were so high, and that was it. That's one that leaps to mind. I actually am not even going to say a goal. Plugger's point for me that oh, yeah. is just such a the height of drama, iconic AFL moment. Um, uh, do we have? Do we get a nineteenth team or the Tasmanian Sun Devils? Yeah, just roll the. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Do I want the Suns to fold? I don't want any team to fold. If you can do nineteen teams, do nineteen teams. That's what I say. I like the idea of nineteen teams. I hate the uh, that we just can't get the buys right, and I think nineteen teams is how we get the buys right. Just one team has a week off, and you know, you know, you enjoyed your week off this week everybody gets a week off during the season where you don't have to worry about your team playing but there's still a full round of games i just i don't know why there's a hesitancy to there being an odd number of teams particularly in a season where you're looking at a way to have a buy if david has the teague train what will rob harvey's catch cry be to get him the senior gig let's see his nickname was banger could you say like binger banger, binger banger, no more clangers? <laughs> well, I think he's got to get um, uh, like what is it? Maybe this is a play on Rob Robert Rob um, Rob Rob Robert Rob Hurt Robert Rob Hurt Harvey. It doesn't it doesn't lend itself to newspaper Teach headlines? That's give oh give Rob Harvey. the job. Give Rob that perfect. Give Rob the job, and call Brett Eddie while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> give Robbie the jobby. Also, give Robbie the jobby. 
Will, does Gary Rowan having a shocker in the 2016 Grand Final make his goal off the siren this week a little easier to swallow? Yes. <laughs> uh, might have asked this, but this is from uh, uh, Brizzle. Might have asked, not Bristle, Brizzle. Might have asked this before, but since you've discovered that the Bond is a talented actor, which direction should his post-football acting career take? Sidekick to Thor, buddy comedies, perhaps with Buddy Franklin, something with arthouse dramatic heft? Yeah, I see more of it as like a kind of, I reckon he'd be doing like the roles that Adam Driver is getting at the moment. You know, can do, can be your big screen, your big budget leading man, but also doing like, you know, uh, Wes Anderson kind of films. I think Bond could do it all, really. Yeah, he grows his hair long again, you know. He's yeah. doing some good beard work. But what I have noticed, because I've been watching those advertisements with a closer eye since you made the observ- observation about Bond's acting, you're absolutely right. He's, he's, he's acting in it. But the timeline on those advertisements, like when he starts running to get to the game, there is mm. absolutely no way that he's getting to that game. Like, he really is overestimating his capacity to run to that game because he goes past a guy and the game is over and he's barely anywhere near it. There must have been a point where he just would have been better off to stop running and go back to his car. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, you're not doing the club any favours. You're wearing yourself out. You're never going to make it to the ground. This is ridiculous. Alex wants to know, is Josh Kennedy not the coolest cut around? Casually slotting 40-meter snaps to win games and quietly raising money for cyclone victims, all while rocking an impressive beard. Alex, you must be new to the show because JJK has been one of our favorites for a number of years. Yeah, love him. And by the uh, way, Ma- thank you uh, to who, uh, who uh, somebody online put the, um, the JJK's beard on um oh yeah on oscar, um, allen, oscar allen as because I, I, I did suggest that the beard should be passed down to oscar allen and looked remarkably good on oscar allen it did actually look quite cool yeah um M- mt hammer wants to know should i make chorizo pasta tonight or get takeaway uh make the chorizo pasta or take get takeaway chorizo pasta oh yeah um people want to know the real reason behind robbo's absence says ryan well we've already got to that Uh, Matt Dean, who's a Bulldog supporter, wants to know where GWS is staying. I think he wants to rough them up because they're obviously being smuggled out of Sydney. Um, Okay. Surely Channel, this is from Red Dead. Uh, Surely Channel 7 take some notice of social commentary regarding the capabilities of BT, negative, and Jason Bennett, overwhelmingly positive. So why are there no changes? Look, I get that people get sick of bt i think i think what bt and uh, jb do that is a style of commentary i think the balance just needs i think it just needs a bit of a redress i think it would be a shame to just have all you know one kind of caller i think you need the color commentator and you need you know the kind of more analytics kind of guy i think they're they're both good for what they do i think that bt just grates on people because he gets too much time but i reckon if you just pulled him back a bit you'd, you'd love his work i think they need it wouldn't be jason bennett for me although i like jason but for me it would be anthony hudson or i really think mark howard is making a push for it that you could put in as more a straight caller you know who calls the play really accurately you know does their job and then you have the color commentator off them i think there are a couple of they just need someone to fill that bruce role because I think the absence of it shows that those other things don't work as well without that kind of 
It just shows how yeah. important Bruce was by not having him there. It's not just that yeah, you've 100%. got to actually replace that role, and I don't think that they have done a good job of that yet. Uh, Derek wants to know, do you think your rowling coverage and predictions of the best and fairest might be putting too much pressure on young Matt? Or do you think he just washes off 14 layers of sunscreen, sits with his 52 footies and chills while eating some chorizo pasta? I don't think that um, there's any pressure we could put on Matt Rowell because we don't put pressure on Matt Rowell. This is not the pressure no. of expectation. This is just the love that we have and the hope that we have that he can get back to playing fantastic football. But um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him. I do sometimes think that even when we're joking around with it, I'm like, this poor kid, he's only played a handful of games. He has this incredible expectation on his shoulders. Um, he's going to be forced to make a pivot to right-wing social commentary uh, in the very near future. <laughs> with his own YouTube show. <laughs> um, Annie wants to know, Charlie, uh, did you hear the caller to SEN who said you had a relaxing weekend because St Gilda had the bye and did you feel the same way? I think you know the answer to that. Oh, Will. Oh, this is fantastic. This is one for next week. We have been sent in a player profile from a, a player you might know by the name of Chris Fagan back when he played for the Devonport Mitsubishi Blues. Oh, Ooh, how's baby. that for a bit of sizzle? That's awesome. We have a player profile for Chris. Oh, I can't wait to read that. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Darcy. We definitely, definitely are reading that next week. And that is it for Two Guys, One Cup. That's all the messages. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. Uh, it's been a longer than normal episode with probably the least amount of footy talk. It's basically been one interview with Tony Cochran and a player profile from 30 years ago. This is Two Guys, One Cup AFL. <laughs> um, uh, I am possibly doing shows, you know, obviously COVID mm. pending, but uh, July 3 at the end, more in Sydney and July 4 at the Brisbane Powerhouse, my improvised show, What You're Talking About, will buy tickets and... If, you know, the worst uh, possible scenario, we can't get to do them, we'll do them again another time. But I am proceeding in the hope that I will get to do those shows. Uh, and if you want to support us, uh, the best way to do that is at patreon.com slash TOEFOP. Heaps of great bonus content up there, mainly to do with our other show. But you know what? Maybe check out our other show, TOEFOP. I think if you like Two Guys, One Cup, you're probably going to like TOEFOP. Um, so yeah. Also go to TOEFOP.com to check out all of our podcasts. But for now... Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.